You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcast. We are so pleased to be part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are dropping twice a week, and uh, that includes the postseason. The Buffalo Bills are headed for the playoffs for the second time in Sean McDermott's three years as head coach. The Bills drew the short end of the stick in playing the Saturday afternoon 430 game against the Houston Texans in the 4-5 matchup. And the fate of the Bills going to Houston was sealed on Sunday when the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Los Angeles Chargers and also when the Houston Texans fell to the Tennessee Titans. So that means that Tennessee sneaks in as the 6, the Bills are the 5, the Texans are the 4, and Oh my gosh, Jamie D'Amico, my colleague joining me on the podcast. The New England Patriots are the number three seed, which means bye-bye, first round bye for Tom Brady. So it's exciting that uh, Tom Brady will not have that first round bye, although uh, I'm John Boccasino, of course, here on the podcast. Jamie, you had a thought on on that and what it meant for for you as a fan, right, with the Patriots no longer earning that first round bye. It just proves to me how much I truly love Ryan Fitzpatrick. And here they are, the Dolphins announced today, which I didn't look this up on my on my own. This is my partner, John Boccasino, informing me this before we got going. They hired Chan Gailey, the Dolphins did, to be their new offensive coordinator. You know what that means? They are fully committed to Ryan Fitzpatrick going forward. He's pulled the wool over another team's eyes, hasn't he? Oh, yes. Fitz magic is back. Fear the beard. By the way, that beard was looking majestic towards the end of the season and especially in knocking off the Patriots. Again, awesome, awesome victory for the Dolphins. Kind of makes you wish what could have been if Buffalo had beaten the Patriots in Foxborough in week 16. The slot filled game at New Era Field on Sunday could have been for the division title, but Alas, we digress into the world of hypotheticals, and all we know right now is that the Bills have a game in front of them against the Houston Texans on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. in the Lone Star State. Although I do want to say one more thing about past Bills offensive coordinators. Uh, The other hot story out there, well, there's two really we should talk about quickly. Um, before we break down here on Believe what happened in week 17. And as a reminder, folks, this is not going to be our full-fledged playoff preview podcast. We are going to go do a deep dive into the Bills and Texans later on this week. This is more of a wrapping up loose ends from week 17, and we want to talk about some newsworthy developments out there. Another one, Jamie, that I want to hit you with that I think really 
is interesting is uh, the Cleveland Browns fired Freddie Kitchens after one disappointing year, and they are looking for a head coach. Needed to Oh, happen. my gosh. I mean, anybody who saw yep. the Browns team this year, they were sheer dysfunction. Um, they couldn't get out of their way on social media. You know, OBJ, they traded for him. They have Jarvis Landry. They have a lot of personalities. And uh, they went 6-10 and 10 in 2019. Disappointing season. They now tied the Buffalo Bills uh, ignominious record for 17 straight seasons missing the playoffs, a modern day record for all of the uh, NFL teams out there. So the Browns are looking for a new coach. One of the people they are looking to interview, and a lot of times teams will look for offensive coordinators who are rising stars or defensive coordinators who are rising stars. Well, with Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb, the Browns are looking to go for an offensive minded head coach. The person from the Buffalo Bills brass that they are looking to interview, offensive coordinator Brian Dable. That news came out late Monday night that Dable was going to interview for the Browns head coaching position. Jamie, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are this. A number of years ago, if the Bills lost anybody from their staff, I would have been very, very concerned about it. But the McBean era has come in here, and I feel like they have a plan. I feel like the Bills, if they lose people from the front office or if they lose people from the coaching staff, which is exactly what happens when you have a successful team, I think that they have they have things in place right now, so they're going to be able to replace whoever it is. Now, from the perspective of continuity, I would really like Dable to stick around. I know he's been maligned throughout the year. People don't like his play calling. I'm of the opinion that the issue isn't so much the play calling, that it's more the execution. I think the issues that you see is that you still have a young quarterback who's developing. Now, should Brian Dable go to the Browns? Well, it's the kind of thing where I would imagine sort of like when Mike Pettin got hired in that the Browns were turned down by so many so many qualified candidates that they're going lower and lower and lower in the pecking order. There's much better head coaching candidates out there than Dable. Dable's proven his mettle th- through the years. Uh, you, you know, he's he's run a successful offense here in Buffalo. He's gotten some good things out of Josh Allen. He was successful in college, but his success has been sort of moderate compared to the other the other candidates out there. And one thing to look out for is the Browns still have John Dorsey as their general manager. And there's a lot of coaches that are probably unwilling to work with such a a strong-headed, analytics-adverse general manager. That that remains to be seen because that's part of the reason they're a mess over there in Cleveland. If I were Brian Dable, and and there's only 32 head coaching positions out there, so clearly he's earned the right to interview. And Jamie, you bring up a really good point. The Bills have turned that corner. Now no longer does the team expect just to compete you know, for a playoff berth, they legitimately have dreams of knocking off the Patriots and winning the divisional title and making a deep run in the playoffs. That's all part of this culture shift and culture change in Western New York. And you're right, with that comes your OC and your DC and your other coaches being viable head coaching candidates for other teams across the league. That being said, while Brian Dable should totally kick the tires on this, he should know. He's going to get an interview, I guess, along with Josh McDaniels and another former Bills offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, who 
to me, does not seem to be a good fit at all with Cleveland because Roman does his best work with mobile quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson this year in Baltimore and Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. Baker Mayfield is not a mobile quarterback, so I'm not really quite sure what the fit would be for them with Roman uh, taking over for Freddie Kitchens as the new head coach. But Dable, as far as he's concerned, I think he made a lot of improvement in the offense this year. Last year, the offense was miserable. You know, the Nathan Peterman experiment failed terribly. Uh, Josh Allen was ill-equipped and did not have the weapons uh, to lead and guide an offense last year. This year, the offense did make solid strides, still not a top tier offense ranking 23rd in points, 24th in yards. There was a top 10 rushing attack and the passing attack made progress. I mean, Josh Allen made strides forward in his second full year, but to me, it still seems like kind of a reach that the Browns would want to go after Dable, who is also one of the older coordinators out there, relatively speaking, compared to a lot of the young whiz kids that seem to get these interviews. So I don't know if Dable gets it. I'm not going to shed any tears over it because I think the Bills can easily replace him, but good for him getting a, a call to be interviewed for the Cleveland job. I just wouldn't go to a place with as much turmoil as Cleveland. The owner, Jimmy Haslam, is unhinged. And they've made a habit now of, you know, how can you want to go to a place that has so much drama, that is so much self-created drama, and that has won and done when it comes to coaches? I mean, this is not the first time Cleveland has fired a coach after one season. See Rob Chudzinski. I mean, this franchise seems to be more abound and, uh, and doesn't really seem to be heading in the right direction. If I had friends who were head coaches, which breaking news, I do not outside of Madden, but if I did, I would tell them, stay away from Washington and stay away from Cleveland. Yet somehow, Washington has managed to land Ron Rivera. In fact, they fired their VP of football operations in order to get him. Crazy that pe- that somebody of his talent level and his record would actually take a job like that. You know, there's there's certain certain franchises that can't get out of their own way, as, as you said, and they say the fish rots from the head. Well, man, those are two very good examples of how bad ownership leads to a bad product all the way around. Well, and uh, and speaking of, and there's no easy way to transition, but speaking of stinky uh, objects and, and rotting fish, today happens to be my colleague Jamie D'Amico's birthday. So let's wish him a happy birthday on this pleasant segue. Oh, geez. You shouldn't have. I wanted to find the most ill-opportune segue to drop in there, your birthday reference, and I figured a rotting fish was probably the most apropos moment. Uh, that, that that was that was a pretty good move on your part. I appreciate <laughs> that very much, John. No, Jamie, you, you've been great to have here on the pod. Obviously, we're here on Believe, having some fun at, uh, at Jamie's expense. Jamie is turning 22 years old today, so let's all wish him a happy birthday. 22 times two, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, Jamie, the, the biggest, and, and not that we, listen, I'm going to say something that's a little bit fun right here, but not that I have a lot of people I run into who have heard the podcast. I'm sure there, we have listeners out there. We know they check out our podcast. But um, I was actually out talking with some friends, and they were like, you got to tell me more about your your colleague, Jamie D'Amico. His voice is so 
silky smooth and they're trying to picture what you look like and everything. And I go, well, listen, I have never actually met him outside of being in the Twitter sphere, being Twitter friends. But uh, I can tell you that, you know, he is just as uh, entertaining and his voice is just as smooth and jazzy off the air as he is on the air for our recordings. So uh, I guess that was a compliment. Jazzy. For you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh-oh, let's stop talking about me, please. All right. Well, here we'll make the seamless segue here on Believe to recapping week 17. Uh, the Buffalo Bills suffered a 13 to 6 Lost to the Jets in a game that did not mean anything. Uh, it was a rain-soaked day at New Era Field. It was miserable. Um, I was actually out there. I'm going to do a personal anecdote for a second here, and then we'll get into breaking down the game. Uh, one of my good friends, it was his bachelor party, and uh, he had some friends that got together, and uh, we did a tailgate uh, for the Bills game. We actually did some pretty fun stuff. We went to the Hammer Lot and just wandered around amongst the masses. Uh, we had some some great beer. We met some great friends out there. We were sharing stories about the Bills and being in the playoffs and just seeing the atmosphere. It was one big party. People were just having such a good time toasting and celebrating and cheering on the Bills. We saw Pinto Ron do his insane ketchup and mustard ritual before the game, which, man, that poor guy, like I know he can't stop. There's no way at this point of his fandom he can stop doing that ritual. <laughs> but he just looked miserable because he's not only covered in ketchup and mustard, but it's pouring out and everybody wants a selfie with him, which I did get a picture with Pinto Ron. It was a pretty cool. Did you? It was a pretty cool highlight, Jamie, in my Bills fandom. I got to say, because we – um. Back in my earlier days of doing Bill's season tickets, we would go to the hammer lot and just have a lot of fun and go mingle with people. And then it got to be way too crazy, you know, post game. But for the one on Sunday with it being my buddy's bachelor party, we were staying in Buffalo. So we were taking Ubers everywhere and uh, it was a great atmosphere to be a part of. You know, we stood on top of the hill when Josh Allen's wife or fiance or whatever she is she led the uh the dowsing of ken johnson known as pinto ron with mustard and ketchup she was spraying one of the condiment guns that was getting him all covered in the condiments and it was a cool scene to be a part of because again it was just such a festive celebration no matter how many people we saw slip and fall in the mud because it was just absolutely yeah. miserable out there a soggy day and it was a precursor to what was going to happen at the stadium because the game was 3 nothing at the half. Josh Allen played two series. Most of the meaningful starters on the Bills roster uh, played two series. The goal was to make sure that nobody got hurt. And sadly, uh, the Bills were not able to escape injury-free. Uh, starting cornerback Levi Wallace uh, went down with a non-contact right ankle injury. Um, Ty Shecky, the tackle who's been battling a nasty ankle injury. He came back for the first time in five weeks and he re-injured his ankle, which was not good. And then Taron Johnson left the game late uh, when he, I think there were four minutes to go when he appeared to get spiked by teammate Jaquan Johnson out there. So a couple of injuries that are going to really add up because what the Taron Johnson and Levi Wallace injuries meant was Buffalo was depleted in the secondary so much so that Isaiah McKenzie took a couple of reps in the secondary as a, as a cornerback. So to me, Jamie, that's troublesome. The fact that, you know, the bills, every team wants to avoid injuries, but 
losing secondary members is not good when you're getting ready to face the Houston Texans who have a couple of decent weapons themselves and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. When it comes to outside corners, which is the position that Levi Wallace plays, they really have Kevin Johnson and nobody else to play out there. So yeah, that's a huge concern. And while we're talking about outside corners, how bad of a coach is Adam Gase? He had a wide receiver playing cornerback against his number one receiver, Robbie Anderson, and they don't throw at Isaiah McKenzie when he's out there trying to play defense? Are you kidding me? Ugh. How does that guy still have a job after that? Yeah, it made no sense. Maybe it was like the rainy conditions out there. Maybe they were, I don't know, unwilling to because they were really trying to pound, you know, the ground game quite a bit. But I agree. You've got an inexperienced. I can't tell you. I don't know for a fact if Isaiah McKenzie has ever you know, appeared as a secondary outside of Pop Warner football or high school football, but it was interesting to see him out there. He actually said that he last played it in high school. So he has a little bit of experience, but it's still been, you know, many, many years since he's actually been out there as a, as a corner. And yeah, that was definitely interesting to see uh, him out there. Number 19 in your program playing in the secondary, but the whole situation with the, with the game, Jamie, it was just, Gosh, when Levi was carted off, they're saying that his injury is only a sprained ankle and it's day to day, um, which is, again, unfortunate with the Bills drawing the short end of the stick and playing on Saturday versus Sunday. That's one less day that he has to recover. I assume if he's healthy and is able to go, he will give it a go and be out there. I would think that if they're going to make any move at all, they'll they'll bring Cam Lewis up from the practice squad. But, you know. I'm going to make a prediction here in that I I don't think Levi Wallace is going to play this this upcoming week. That would be quite a recovery. We've all had sprained ankles and uh, sprained ankles aren't all created equal, but he couldn't put any weight on it. And it just it didn't look good for him. And that's that's a loss, because if Will Fuller is playing uh, for the Texans, that's going to be a problem. So. You know, Wallace, I, I'm sure they're doing, you know, they're doing all the, the treatment they can on it and they're doing the electronic stimulation and everything else to try to get the blood flowing. But I, I just I can't see him being on the field. And what you don't want is to lose depth going into the playoffs. The Bills have been remarkably healthy throughout this season, with the exception of like uh, Harrison Phillips. But you know, outside of that, yeah, I don't think they've had any major injuries except for Ty Inseki. Now, don't get me started on him going down again. We got exactly what we wanted, John. We said that we both wanted him to play the entire game so he could knock off the rust. And naturally, as happens to offensive linemen, he got rolled up on from behind. That is not what they need because I'm an Inseki guy, as you know. And they are a better offense with him on the field. He's just better than Cody Ford, and they do a much better job of running the ball and pass blocking with him in there. They score more points on average when he's on the field. Damn it, man. Yeah, that was that was not a good injury to see in Shecky have a similar uh, ailment to his same ankle that has plagued him for the last five weeks. It was occurring on a run block play in the third quarter. He was rolled up on from behind by left guard Quentin Spain. He immediately fell to the ground in pain and uh, he was done for uh, for the day out there. So that was really 
um, unfortunate for Inshecki. Nothing has come out as of the time of this broadcast for his status moving forward. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It could have been a lot worse, though, Jamie, too, because Cody Ford, who has been in Shecky's replacement the last five weeks, also went down uh, with an ankle injury. Um, he came out in the first half. He was injured late in the third quarter, um, but he was cleared to return and did actually come back to the game later in the fourth quarter. So at least Buffalo didn't lose both of their right tackles uh, for the matchup with the Texans, who, by the way, um, in addition to Will Fuller being a 50-50 prop to return to the team, there's rumors out there that J.J. Watt might be activated. So I don't know what he would have in the tank um, at this point, how much rust he would have. But just having him back out there has got to be a game changer for the Texans. And it means Buffalo has to make some special game plans to accommodate one of the better pass rushers, albeit someone who's been quite injured the last couple of years. I would rather he sit this one out. Let's just put it that way. We'll get to it. Now, um, with the uh, with the injuries at tackle, um, Deion Dawkins was forced back into the game late uh, until Cody Ford came back, which was something that we definitely did not want to see. And if you noticed, they had Ryan Bates in at the left tackle, and that guy looked like a turnstile out there. So the Bills really are going to need a full complement of tackles healthy for the playoffs because I don't want to see that guy on the field again. He just does not have the experience to play with the big boys right now. Yeah, we do not want Ryan Bates seeing meaningful snaps on Saturday in the Houston Texans wildcard game at 4.35 p.m. Really unfortunate news. Uh, especially within Shecky. I feel better about Levi Wallace's injury. I feel better about Taron Johnson, who took to Twitter to say that he was going to be back and would play on Saturday. Um, Saran Neal, the special team stud, he was injured briefly with a stinger, but he came back in the game, and Cody Ford did return too. So definitely uh, not what Buffalo wanted to be dealing with, a slew of injuries heading into the the playoff game. Again, it's a shortened week. It's a 435 kickoff Saturday afternoon for the wild card round. And, uh, and Jamie, I want to say one thing also about the atmosphere on Sunday. And I know that, again, it was a celebration. You know, they had Steve Tasker on the field before the game. They honored him. You know, there were a lot of cool moments at the stadium. One of the coolest moments, and I believe this is, I think he made it public. Lorenzo Alexander, the veteran linebacker, uh, came out and announced that this was going to be his last year 
uh, with the Buffalo Bills and therefore his last year playing in the National Football League. Well, before the game, he had a very proud father-daughter moment as his 11-year-old daughter, Zoe, surprised him by singing the national anthem to a raucous roar at the stadium. That was a really cool moment to watch. And you could look and they show video of the sidelines of Lorenzo and he's all getting choked up watching his daughter sing the anthem. And she did a great job, by the way. It was a really cool moment. No. And I thought it was really cool when the Jets had the ball for the second time that Sean McDermott called a timeout in order to take uh, the Lorax off the field so he could get his his ovation, one that he definitely deserves. You know, that guy has he's been a team leader since the moment he signed and he's gotten really involved in the community too. He's one of those guys that I kind of wish was a Buffalo bill for his entire career. He's very likable and yeah, he looks a lot like Roy Jones jr, but that's neither here nor there. Um, He's, he's the kind of guy who I feel like is going to end up in coaching and be very successful with it. Now I'm sure next year he's going to want to take the year off. You know, they, they tend to want to do that after their final season, but I I see this uh, this coaching staff having a place for him if he in fact wants to come back. Because if nothing else, the guy's a great ambassador for the team and for the NFL in general. And you know what? He's played until he's thirty seven years old. He's had a meandering journey through his career, but he's really found success with Buffalo and. Going to miss the guy. I, I do like him a lot. Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's an ultimate Buffalo ambassador. He's kind of like, uh, you know, this year's version, not to, I mean, Kyle Williams played longer and had more of an impact, but Zoe with his community service work, with him being a Walter Payton man of the year honoree uh, for Buffalo uh, for, I think the third time in four years. I mean, he's really embraced this Western New York community and uh, it was great to see the send off. Another thing I want to get to quick, Jamie, before we wrap up here on the podcast I think I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter before the game uh, about what would happen if Duke Williams broke out and had a big game. And lo and behold, even though um, you know he did have a big drop uh, early on that cost the team a first down, Duke Williams was a mammoth receiver for the Bills. He had six catches for 108 yards. He was targeted a game high 12 times. I don't think he's going to be on the roster this week for the playoffs, but I think that that's definitely something where for those Duke Williams lovers out there, he's made an impression enough so that I'm sure he will have a chance to make a big impact on the team in 2020. There were two things I was curious about going into the game. One was, is Matt Barkley going to have a good game? The other was Duke Williams. And I have to be quite honest with you, I'm glad Barkley looked like crap out there because then we would have had a deal with the Matt Barkley should be starting crowd, which is a group that I just don't really want to hear from. Sorry, guys. I know your listeners and fans and everything else, but I be quiet. Um, As for Duke Williams, uh, you know, it comes down to roster construction as to whether or not he's going to be on the active roster. The thing working against him is he doesn't seem to be very impactful on special teams. And it seems like he'll be going up against Robert Foster for that final receiver position. And Foster has been playing the gunner on on punt returns. So with him, Andre Roberts being the main kick returner and being a good one at that, and Isaiah McKenzie being the third receiver that's on the field who's worked into the offense with the jet sweeps it's hard to think uh, about where they're going to find a spot for him 
unless they can find somebody to take over that gunner position. Now, Saran Neal was a man possessed on special teams this past week and is generally an excellent special teams player. So maybe they'll rely on that. I don't know. I'm not sure if they need him on the field per se, but if you can have a receiving weapon out there that's different than what you've got, which is a guy that is a, a guy that's much bigger and stronger and taller than the other receivers, it creates another dimension. That said, he's pretty slow and doesn't get open off the line of scrimmage very quickly. So it takes some time for his routes to develop. It's all going to come down to game planning, I think, as to whether or not he's active. Yeah, those are some really good points there, Jamie, that you brought up about his ability uh, compared to Robert Foster on special teams, his ability to create separation for himself, not only being a tall receiver, but what else does he bring to the table to stand out on this roster? And, you know, you arguably can't say that he's a more impactful player than Isaiah McKenzie because McKenzie has been an underrated receiver. He also contributes in other areas to the team as well that Duke just does not bring right now to the table. But of course, the offseason will have a lot to do with uh, what Duke Williams's role will be on this team. But I just thought it was funny that There were all these predictions that Duke was going to go nuts and Bill's Twitter was going to explode. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday uh, with six catches for 108 yards. Your boy Tommy Sweeney had five catches for 76 yards, several big runs after the catch for Buffalo. He is making himself uh, another valuable asset for the future as well. And, uh, you know, this is all leading up to the fact that the Bills will be playing January football Uh, taking on the Houston Texans in a wild card game. We will have all of your bases covered here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We will do a full in-depth dive into this matchup coming up later on this week. But for the time being, we're going to put a big bow on this podcast recapping week 17. I want to thank Jamie D'Amico for coming on as always on his birthday. Jamie, happy birthday, buddy. Thanks, man. And uh, we'll be back later on this week on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.